Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Pop Culture History Lesson on the Ringer Dish Feed. My name is Amelia Wedemeyer, and today I'm so excited. I'm joined by Jody Walker. Hi. Hi, Amelia. Oh my gosh, are you so excited to discuss 12 years of Nancy Joe Sales' piece, The Suspects Wore Louboutins? I'm so excited. The moment I heard that Pop Culture History Lesson existed at The Ringer, this was like the very first story that I could think of that oh, made a real whoa. historical impact on me at a at a very impressionable age. Sure. So I'm very excited. <laughs> I am excited too. And for everyone who maybe isn't super familiar with it, it it was a piece that icon Nancy Joe wrote in 2010 in the March 2010 issue of Vanity Fair and it was about a group of five teens from the valley. So San Fernando Valley and uh that essentially cased and broke into numerous celebrity homes from October 2008 to August 2009. It's wild. Uh, where they stole around $3 million in cash and personal belongings like underwear, jeans, tailored to fit Audrina Partridge. Um, so and yeah, uh, they stole from Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, Orlando Bloom and Miranda Kerr, Brian Austin Green, Megan Fox, many more. So, yeah. Do you remember reading the profile at the time? Did you like watch the the show that was it was on on Pretty Wild on E or like the movie by Sofia Coppola? 
I think that I was like a little young to be skimming Vanity Fair at the time, although I was already very into the Hollywood issue and checking that out in the Barnes and Noble magazine rack. But I was not yet a subscriber. So I don't think that I read the Nancy Jo Sales piece at the time. I was probably already an E exclamation point network watcher. (laughs) And so I remember the ads for Pretty Wild. And now I have a lot of like loose knowledge upstairs about Pretty Wild. But I don't know if I watched it live at the time. This, I remember getting very into the story when the Sofia Coppola, the Bling movie came right. out. 2013, Which was yeah. 2013. Yep. And really going back and doing my research then and finding out about... No, correct me if I'm wrong, Amelia. Did you tell me that you own the DVDs of Pretty Wild? I own... Uh, when you could buy stuff on iTunes still or when people still did that. Mm. Uh, I definitely bought the first season of Pretty okay. Wild. Okay. Yeah. I guess I assumed when you said you owned it that you meant you owned hard copies, which was, <laughs> I did find very impressive. I so wish did, they, if they would have had them, I would have bought them probably. Yeah. Sure. Did you, um, did you go back and watch any, any pretty wild? I did or, to prepare for this. I did. I watched the pilot. I watched one where she, uh, went in for a plea agreement. Uh, and man, it, I mean, everything you could ever want from this show. It, it's funny to me because she's, Alexis Nyers, who was one of the members of the Bling Ring, she was probably the most prominent member. She has talked about this a bunch, and she's very open with her addiction and how she got involved with the Bling Ring. And it's just, it's very fascinating to me to watch this series and know that they were trying to go for kind of like a Kardashian mm-hmm. uh, effect with all this. And they even like called it the granola version of the Kardashians. But if you watch the episodes, they're a lot darker than yeah. anything from the Kardashians. Because, I mean, again, we're talking about like going to prison, going to jail. We have, I think it's a season finale where they're even talking about like she has a pill addiction. We have to stage an intervention. And I don't, you know, the years I've watched the Kardashians, I have not really remembered them having to go through anything like that. The um, Nyers. And is it Anderson is her mom's last name? Arlington, I think. Arlington. The Nyers Arlington family did not have the narrative control over their story that the Kardashians have over their story. I would say that Andrea Arlington was no Kris Jenner, uh, <laughs> although she did perhaps walk so that Kris Jenner could run, but yeah. she she did not, she didn't have the tight lid on things. And, you know, much like the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City season two, something pretty tide turning happened in the first right. episode, which is that Alexis was arrested and charged with burglary in these, what were already becoming pretty popular break-ins because they were happening to such famous people. Famous so people, yeah. the story was, or the the reality show was pitched as this sort of comedy. My favorite tidbit about this reality show that is just so Please. random to me and so random that I even like, that, that I know about it, is that it came about because uh, 
Alexis and Tess. So Tess Taylor was um, basically Alexis's sort of adopted sister, her best friend from toddlerhood who had a rough family life. And so she went in and out of staying with Alexis's family, which was also perhaps not the healthiest environment in the end. But they were like sisters, had a pretty codependent relationship. And Alexis and Tess were... I think starring or not starring. So sorry, not starring. Acting as extras in a in a movie in a yes. like a fr- a fratty movie frat party the movie or something frat party the movie and they met a comedian named Dan Levy, not of Schitt's Creek fame. Uh, I was going to say, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> right. So uh, he he's a stand-up comedian and I just know him from, I don't know, you know, the, the stand-up route. But I very recently during um, the pandemic watched him in a wonderful show that I would recommend called... Oh. Uh, comedians on couches watching house hunters and you gotta have you gotta have like a special app you gotta use like discovery plus plus to watch it because it's (laughs) it is literally like very funny comedians and he is one of the hosts with natasha legaro legaro yes um and so he's very funny i would have no no idea that he would be associated with this show if i hadn't you know been gone back and doing the research (sighs) and looking through these oral histories and and stuff of pretty wild so he pitched the show to chelsea handler who had the in at e and they conceived of it as this comedic reality show which is what e bought it as and then the moment filming starts, this very young star is arrested for a very serious crime. And I mean, not that it would, I think looking back on it, we would see it this pretty wild as dark one way or another, because these girls are very obviously sort of in peril, whether they know it or not. Um, They're not open about the drug addiction on the reality show, but it's easy to tell that something is off and they're very sexualized, which Alexis has talked a lot about um, in her adulthood. And, you know, those are like, they were so young. They they couldn't have known better. Only the adults around them could have known better about that. But 2009, 2008, 2009 was such an interesting time for fame and sexuality, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of the reason this story blew up. Yes, definitely. Oh my gosh, I know we. There are other key players, and she, you know, isn't technically the ringleader, but she definitely is the most famous of the bunch. Uh, you I would know, say she, she's the face of the bling ring. Yes. She is not the brain or the muscle <laughs> or the. Or, or even there that much when you or even there you, that much that yeah. is true when you we'll we'll get to the Nancy Joe sales of it all but, yes. but even in reading the story though it's though she had talked the most or somewhat the most you you do understand when you read the story that sh- she wasn't in most involved in most of these burglaries as far no. as we can tell as far um, as we know right yeah exactly so so hit me with the key players Amelia. Okay, yes. The key players we have going on here. So we, Alexis Nyers, obviously, who is now Alexis Haynes. And, you know, she she ended up, and they show it on Pretty Wild, pleading no contest to felony burglary, which she had to serve about a month of a six-month sentence in county jail. And she also had to pay $600,000 restitution to Orlando Bloom. And they even talked about it on the show. They were like, she she was still preaching that she was innocent. Um, And she was saying, but, you know, Orlando said that he would have no problem testifying. And who's going to believe me over a huge movie star? 
And little did we know she was also lying. But, you know, at the time, she obviously stuck to a different story. I would never want to have to face off against Orlando Bloom in a court of law. Right? When I did literally rob him. Exactly. It's scary. It's it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell. It is a tough sell. To a jury of your peers. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I would definitely say so. And this is when, I mean, I don't know who will be listening to this podcast, but, you know, right now, Orlando Bloom, I wouldn't say is he isn't like totally top of his game uh, a list. But at the time, like this is kind of back when he was he had the well had the Lord of the Rings and he had other movies and he was still kind of a big deal. So, yeah, it would have been very scary, I would imagine. Right. Um, and so Alexis, she goes to uh, the Century Regional Detention Facility in Linwood, and her time actually coincided with Lindsay Lohan's time in jail. Um, and she famously heard Lindsay Lohan crying. And again, if you remember, Lindsay Lohan was also robbed in this uh, from the bling ring. Uh, again, it's unclear whether Alexis had anything to do with that. It seems like it was really just Orlando Bloom. But they were there kind of around the same time in uh, jail. Uh, and then she was arrested for black tar heroin, possession of it, in December of 2010, which led her to go to rehab. And kind of that's when she started to turn her life around, which is great. And she is now married with two daughters. She, of course, hosts her own podcast. And she is a, yes, counselor at a recovery center in Malibu. And I think she was recently in the news for opening up her marriage to like a real housewife adjacent person? She is she is married and in an open marriage and she is dating the ex-girlfriend of Bronwyn from the Real Housewives of Orange County. Got it. Who came out uh, to also be attracted to women during her tenure on the Real Housewives of Orange County. Wow. Started dating this woman I guess is now broken up with her because Alexis is now dating her. I believe her name is Chris. And yes, so that's her girlfriend in addition to her husband. I did read that she is also in an open relationship with her girlfriend, but currently not pursuing any third avenues. Got it. Wow. She's she's busy. She is busy. I can... (laughs) Barely maintain podcasting. <laughs> Seriously. I know. And she's doing two it. Two children, I, two romantic two kids, figures. Yeah. It's wild. And honestly, I was listening to uh, briefly to some of her podcast and she did a good job to me. I was impressed. So, yeah. So that is Alexis Nyers, now Haynes. We also have Rachel Lee, who was kind of pointed out by everyone else as the ringleader. She was the one... That was said to have been motivated by her obsession with celebrities. She wanted to emulate their lifestyle. She um, was obsessed with Lindsay Lohan, which, you know, same, but a little different. (laughs) Um, But she was born to Korean immigrants. Her mom was from North Korea. I've seen sources say that her father was from both South Korea and North Korea. So it's kind of unclear there. But... She lived in Calabasas, she, which is a wealthy suburb where the Kardashians are from. And it, from uh, the Sussex War Louboutins, it was, quote, the driving force of the burglary, burglary crew and that her motivation was based on her desire to own the designer wardrobes of the celebrities she admired. And that's why 
Like they're talking about how she stole underwear and lingerie from Victoria's Secret models, which is just seems kind of weird to me to want to steal someone else's underwear. I don't know. But she liked that. She thought it was fascinating and she was a huge fan. And towards the end of the spree, she moved to Las Vegas and tried to she also tried to get some art for her new Las Vegas apartment and everything. And it seems to me, from what I've read and everything, uh, she was from a well-to-do family. Like her mom owned several uh, like learning centers Mm -hmm. and uh, she was just really motivated by her love of celebrities and wanting to emulate their lifestyle, which I find really fascinating, actually. Right. Well, Rachel certainly would not be the first teen girl to try a little shoplifting to get a new feeling. But she stands out, I think, in the story and in Nancy Jo Sale's story and also in the Sofia Coppola movie as this sort of most fascinating character because Mm -hmm. she is the most at ease with what they're doing. She's also the one who starts it. So the other person that we haven't mentioned yet is Nick. Um, Nick Prudo was uh, a a new arrival in the LA suburbs uh, and he started going to a new high school where Rachel was attending and they became pretty, pretty fast friends. And as he depicts it and then to Nancy Jo Sales and then as the Bling Ring movie goes on to depict it, (laughs) he (laughs) did you did you watch have you watched that movie recently, Amelia? Uh, Not recently, but I remember seeing it uh, in theaters and being like, okay, this was fine. Not the best movie I've ever seen in my life. And I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to go back and watch because I remember having the same reaction and it's kind of a simple movie. It almost, I was mentioning this before we got on it. It reminds me a little bit of euphoria (gasps) in that it's very, not not really in a in a literal sense, not like the way that it looks, but the, sure. the way that it comes across is that it's very visual and that it's very visual, at least in the bling ring, on purpose. It's sort of, it doesn't give these characters like obvious motivations or big backstories. Yes. It doesn't make us clear, make it clear to us why they're doing what they're doing exactly. I think, I believe, to giving Sophia Coppola the huge benefit of the doubt on purpose because this was kind of a shallow time in America. Celebrity totally. was huge. And to be a celebrity... It was at this exact time in 2008, 2009, the rise of Paris Hilton, the decline of Lindsay Lohan. Um, There were a couple of huge teenage and young adult shows on, especially in reality, The Hills. It was as good to be famous for something bad as it was to be famous for something good. And it was as notable to be famous for not having talent as it was to be famous for having talent. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at who these kids targeted, it wasn't just that they wanted access to their wealth. They wanted access to who they were, like to these personalities, yep. to Lindsay Lohan. Rachel Bilson was another huge hit of theirs, and she yes. was a star on the OC. And so, yeah, I, I appreciated that more this go around uh, with the bling ring of sort of, but but that doesn't make it a very good movie because it's hard to make a very good, very shallow movie, but it does it does get a certain point across. But what is right. clear in the film and in Nancy Jo Sale's story is that these 
the the ringleaders of this uh, tribe of thieves are Rachel and Nick. And Nick it depicts himself as sort of under Rachel's spell. Like, right. he loves her. He's never had a best friend like this. And she takes him in, no questions asked. She's a yeah. popular girl at her school. And, and she sort of invites him into this much more glamorous lifestyle than he's used to. And then it quickly goes off the rails. So... At first, um, they meet in like 2006, Nick and Rachel. And at first, they're just sort of um, like, what are they? Checking cars, they call it. Yes, they're doing that. And I think they, don't they rob one of their uh, classmates? Right, yeah. So it's, you know, it's like any spree. It starts small and goes off the rails uh, quickly, quickly gaining steam. They're checking cars. They're in, you know, wealthier neighborhoods, just like looking for some quick cash to buy booze or whatever. And people (laughs) just leave their doors unlocked. Uh, This is pre-bling ring, so no one knew. And then they know that one of their classmates is going out of town. Rachel just kind of, you know, I mean, she had some, like you noted, she had some odd interest other people's yeah. underwear going into other people's homes. So they go they go to that house and in that house of their classmate, they find $8,000 cash. Incredible. And I kind of get it. If I just found, well, found is the wrong word. If I just stole <laughs> $8,000 cash with no repercussions, I might be ready to up the ante. Sure. And you're splitting it with your best friend. And it's kind of like, okay, you get four grand. I get four grand. Who's hurt? You know, I mean, except obviously. the people that you stole the $8, exactly. $8, yes, from. exactly. Yeah. But th- but they're not thinking that way, and all not they're all. thinking about is money, fun, drugs, drinks, and Paris Hilton. So and Paris, exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh! And that is another thing. Um, if we want to talk about that, they Nick Prugo says that they picked Paris Hilton as their first victim because they thought she would be dumb, that she would be the person who would have a door unlocked, um, who would have money lying around. And honestly, they're not completely wrong. And Amelia, which, they sure did find a key <laughs> under her mat. Or so they Incredible. say. Or so they say. Right, exactly. And and she also doesn't notice that anything really is gone for a while because right. she has so much stuff. And um, I think that's and kind that's of, the kind of their goal celebrities. at first, they say, is yeah. they, they just are going to skim enough off the top to where no one will notice, but it'll be meaningful to them because right. now they'll have a Chanel bag or they'll have, you know, new sunglasses or a dress. And so I believe they start going to Paris's and shopping in her closet, unbeknownst Wild. to her, um, in October 2008. And between mm-hmm. October and December... They rob Paris on four separate occasions. And she doesn't Ah, notice until the very last one, when by that point, Nick and Rachel have brought a few other players into the mix. Right. Their friend Diana, their friend Courtney. Yep. Courtney Ames. Yep. Who are two high school students. And then Courtney has an adult boyfriend. Right. Jonathan Ajar? Yes. Also known sometimes as Johnny Danger. (laughs) What a great detail, honestly. Because he is so dangerous (laughs) that he offers to these teen burglars 
Wild. Um, that he can be their fence. He can sell the more expensive goods for them. Right. So sometime in December 2008, they, a few of the members, including Johnny Danger, plan <laughs> a heist, a true heist of Paris's house where they steal at least plan to steal around a two around two million dollars in yeah. jewelry. I just I, I don't I mean I don't I, obviously I've never seen that amount of money anywhere. And it's just to me, it's Oh, just... you've never broken into Pierre Silton's <laughs> house, Amelia? No. Yeah, I have heard she leaves her key under the mat. Did you know that? <laughs> it's oh also like kind of I, I think an interesting angle on this is like what have the ups, upgrades and security systems been since 2009? Yes, sure. Because a lot of the reason that these teenagers okay, there's two reasons these teenagers are ultimately caught. One, because they will not stop talking about how much stuff they're stealing from celebrities. Everyone in high school knows they're wearing clothes that they could not have possibly bought, even though a a couple of them are pretty Mm well-to-do. It's very obvious, and they're talking about it, that they're stealing. So when the time comes, there are plenty of people who can rat them out to the police. But the time ultimately comes because there's enough security footage to place them at a number of these houses. So the first security footage appears when they break into Audrina Patridge's house. And I appreciate about Audrina that she seems to be the most forthcoming about the sort of emotional toll that this took on her. Yes. Because being robbed is a very, it's, it makes, I imagine would make one feel very vulnerable to attack. Whether yes. it's by teenagers that ultimately get caught or not. Do you remember, Amelia, what they stole from her house? I think you might have mentioned it earlier. Yeah, they, I know one of the things that, that sticks out to me is that they yep. s- stole a pair of jeans that were yes. tailor-made for Adrena's body, which I found fascinating. I believe the quote in the Nancy Jo Sales article is, like tailor fit to my perfect body. And I think she just means perfectly fit to my body. But but I do appreciate like really nailing home the point that like these are the best jeans in the world. And they have been, they took her passport. I remember what a mean thing to take. It's so hard. It's so hard to get a passport. Definitely. Once you lose that first one, especially right now. I I know it was not the (laughs) pandemic then, but Hey, quick update. If anyone's passport's expired, start trying to get that sucker now. That's actually, that's a great update. That's true. (laughs) That's a a great and unexpected (laughs) update in pop culture history lesson. Just a couple life tips sprinkled Uh. throughout. Get an alarm system. (laughs) Get your passport updated. Passport update. Oh, that's so true. Audrina hands over the security footage uh, to the cops. And... That scares the bling ring a bit. <laughs> right. And she, I think she also posts it on her website. Like this is back when yes. celebrities still had, or like a lot of reality stars. Cause I remember the right. Kardashians had this. They have their own right. little website where they quote unquote blog from time right. to time. And so and she, now we're just down to poosh from Courtney. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. RIP exactly. all of the other sites we used to have. Oh my God. That's true. I know. It's unfortunate because what interesting websites. And again, they could use it to connect with their fans. And in this case, she used it to show off the surveillance videos and garner more tips. Yeah, I guess she actually, I'm sure she eventually gave it to the cops, but I forgot that she did self-publish that that surveillance. Yeah. Um, so good for Audrina. 
just taking justice into her own hands. And so the crew does stop for maybe two months, uh, really not long enough to have seen themselves on the local news, even though you can't really see their faces. And I believe that one was just Rachel and Nick. Um, But then, then they, right. They move on quickly as we get into 2009 um, to Rachel Bilson. They burglarize her five different times, taking nearly $130,000 in clothing, jewelry, makeup, and handbags. Just incredibly. Wow. That's so brazen. Yeah. And around this time during the Rachel Bilson era is allegedly when uh, Tess comes into the mix. Um, Mm. And it's also when Tess and Alexis sign their E exclamation point contracts for Pretty Wild. While actively knowing that they are under a pretty rough drug addiction and that all of their friends are stealing all the time. It's But they are ready to get some cameras on them. They sure are. I think I was listening, I was watching a Vice doc with Alexis and she was saying that her and Tess's habit was like 10 grand a week and that they would film and then then go into the bathroom and smoke Mm. crack and heroin and then come back out and film. So it was very high risk what they were doing at the time. Well, right. So I I imagine, and Euphoria also uh, can tell you this via a suitcase. I know you don't watch, but... No, I'm so intrigued, please. There's a very um, continually anxiety-inducing plot going on with a suitcase right now. And kind of the worst thing that you can give a drug-addled teenager is a lot of money. Yes. And so they sign these contracts and all the and they and you know they get a they get sort of an, an advance or a or a signing bonus and they have mm-hmm. all this money to buy drugs. And that really is the saddest part of this story is just how under the influence they were during all of this. And, you know, you can look backwards on that and have empathy, but at the time, Alexis Nyers was not a sympathetic character. No. Oh my gosh. Rewatching that show. It's just like, there's something missing. And I, I don't know if she (laughs) understands what exactly is going on. So yeah. Right. For sure. So they, um, Go on to Rob in July 2009 after a night out, which is always so fascinating to me that they're doing this like after nights out. It's crazy. After a night out, I'm ready to, I'm like maximum making a frozen pizza. Right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, I can't imagine like scaling a wall, jimmying open windows, stuffing suitcases full of of celebrities, bras and panties. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I give them they full had a of lot diamonds. Of energy. Yeah, right. truly. So, as Alexis tells it, after a night out, she is extremely drunk and extremely high, and she more or less wakes up at Orlando Bloom's house with Nick Prudo. Right. There is some question as to whether that's true. There's security footage of the uh, four of the teenagers walking backwards up a hill with their yes. hoodies up. Creepy to to right. It is creepy to um to avoid the security cameras. And Nick has countered Alexis to say, how could she be doing that if she was, you know, so drunk, so high that she was passed out? She right. also proceeds to carry out bags and bags of Orlando Bloom's goods. So her involvement seems 
pretty present. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the gang proceeds to keep robbing. They finally rob Lindsay Lohan, which good for Lindsay Lohan is sort of the thing that ultimately brings them down because it gives a third and final um, security footage that she is also willing to not only give to the cops, but to publicize on TMZ. Mm -hmm. And enough of the Bling Rings peers get eyes on it that they start handing over these names. And around that time, Nick says that he just can't stand it and he confesses. Yes. He t- Boy, does sings, he ever. Sings like a bird. I mean, he, I don't, he must have not have had, never watched any procedural crime dramas or anything. He doesn't ask for a lawyer. No, all he was doing all day was Googling celebrities' addresses. There was no time for law and order. (laughs) No time to get a lawyer. No time to ask for a plea deal. No, and I think the cops even say that he is confessing to crimes that they didn't even know about. Yes. (laughs) Brian Austin Green and Megan Fox didn't know they'd been robbed. Until Nick said they'd been robbed. It's just the naivete is confounding. It's wild. Um, But ultimately, it's good because he confesses and it seems like they link everything up. And eventually, a lot of stuff is returned to their rightful owners. Right. So I I think that um, despite this adult uh, Johnny Danger hanging out with teenagers and saying that he can fence all these items, he really didn't have the skill to do that or the or the know or the know how or the wherewithal. Um, So Paris Hilton gets back most of that, like millions of dollars worth of jewelry um, because he just hadn't sold it. He right. And they had tried actually to. fence the stuff through someone else, someone named Roy Lopez Jr., who apparently worked at a restaurant in Calabasas with Courtney, whose boyfriend is Johnny, and they eventually Another adult hanging out with teenagers. (laughs) Exactly. You see all the red flags in this story? There's a lot. There's a lot. Um, But eventually they move on to Johnny because he has, quote unquote, better connections, which Mm. that's also kind of up in the air if those connections were better. But uh, yeah, just I... Could you ever be convinced to help a group of teenagers rob celebrities, you think? You know, I thought about this a lot. And I think that if I, you know, as a teenager had been surrounded by a different group of people that was sort of normalizing a different group of things, Mm -hmm. who knows what I could have been talked into. I think that that's why I say that when you read the story and when you watch the movie, Rachel really comes out as this fascinating character because she had this sort of sense of calm that made people, and that's not to say that it's on her more than them, but she did have this this sort of steadiness about her that was like, of course we should be doing this. They don't need it. We want it. cult leader, yeah. Right. The um the morality there is questionable. <laughs> However, what's interesting is that after this happened, I mean, Rachel went off the map and much of young Alexis and also we might discuss in a moment adult Alexis's lingering anger at Nancy Joe Sales for 
exposing her and making her seem like the ringleader. Mm-hmm. She, in my opinion, Nancy Jo Sales really doesn't do that. It's clear that Rachel is in charge, that she right. does most of these things, but Rachel didn't have a reality show and yeah. she didn't stay in the public spotlight after it happened. She really sort of like crawled back behind the curtains and totally people don't know her name. Exactly. She kind of refused to talk to the press. A lot of these people refused to talk to the press. And it was really Alexis who kind of, you know, put herself out there and which is totally her choice. And she can do that. And I think people do in some respects relate to her story and how open she is. So but yeah, it is seems kind of like misdirected anger at poor Nancy Joe, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, listen, Nancy Joe got a banger of an article out of it. <laughs> she did. That's true. She, she got did. an IMDb credit uh, and got to, you know, <laughs> go get involved with the Coppolas, which I am trying to do. <laughs> so I think Nancy Joe Sales is fine. However, Nancy Joe's name, literal name, is pretty immortalized <laughs> in a little clip that I would love to hear you, a pretty wild head, Amelia, <laughs> fill us in on. Yes, um, it's from Pretty Wild. But if you are on Twitter or I guess Instagram too, any uh, TikTok, I'm sure it's there. Um, you're familiar with meme culture. You probably have seen or heard the meme where Alexis is calling and leaving a message on Nancy Joe's phone. And she goes, Nancy Joe. This is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know that I'm very disappointed. And then, of course, it cuts her off. You lied. (laughs) Her mom comes in. She goes, you lied. And she's like, I was wearing one inch BB shoes. You said I was wearing six inch Louboutins. And then the more you lie. And and Alexis has to go every time you yell, I have to fucking re-record it. (laughs) Right. So. It is unclear what Alexis thought this Vanity Fair article was going to be. Yes. She knew that she was popular for committing a crime. Mm -hmm. And that that's why her name was in the news. So I don't, it's, she's also a teenager who is smoking Oxycontin. And so it's not Not like we could have expect uh, in starring in a reality show. So all of this is recorded by the pretty wild cameras, but it's unclear what she thought she was going to be reading in the Vanity Fair article. (sighs) It seems like Nancy Joe made her very comfortable and she thought that she had spun herself as a positive person who wanted to do a lot of good in the world. And so she thought that maybe some of that would be in the story balancing out the criminality of it. And it wasn't, but the one thing that she really sticks on and to be fair, it's in the headline, the subject were Louboutins and that we hear her scream in that voicemail is that Nancy Joe said she wore six inch Louboutins (laughs) to her trial, but she didn't. She wore four inch little BB shoes. Which, Amelia, I don't know about you, but four inches is still a pretty high heel to me. still a very high heel. I was just going to say, that is very high, very high. When I am forced to put on a heel and I start my Googling efforts, four is my top range. I I was going to say, yeah, definitely top range. I know. And so she gets upset about that. And it turns out later on, Nancy Joe, she wrote, I guess it'll be like 
about two years ago, so at the 10th anniversary, she wrote that she actually did technically get the detail wrong because she, she knew that Alexis had talked about wearing and amassing a collection of Louboutins, but she was technically wearing those BB shoes. So at least, you know... um, she corrected herself. And Nancy Joe says that, that she had worn a pair of Louboutins on a different day in court, right. but not the exact day that she <laughs> said when she was notably wearing the four-inch BB shoes. <laughs> My thing about Alexis, I'm so happy for her that she is sober, that she yeah. has a family that she loves. I think she is a story of like being able to overcome not just hardship, but like being a bratty teenager. I mean, yeah. you know, she, sure. she was... T- a tough sell. Like she, she was pretty bad news <laughs> as like a young teen. Yes, but when you're yeah. young, you don't know who you are. And so right. she's obviously done a lot of work there. But she has really held on to her rage against Nancy Jo Sales. It is and amazing. Not, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing her ability to hold on to this rage after doing so much self-work. So much self-work. Like It I seems know. like she's done a lot, but there is, I guess, no amount of therapy that can get Nancy Joe out of your mind once she has inserted herself in there like a six-inch Louboutin. And so Nan- uh, Alexis has gone out of her way to try and prove that she didn't even have Louboutins by publishing the list of things that the cops came in to find at her house and they didn't find any Louboutins. But the only things that the cops knew to look for at their houses were the things that the celebrities knew they stole. And it has been well noted that these celebrities had so much stuff that they had no idea what these teenagers had stolen from them. Exactly, exactly. Including Louboutins. (laughs) So the truth of the matter is uh, it, it may may never be known there. And I think know. I think that remains tough on Alexis. I think it does too. I think it does too. And I, you know, and I think Nancy is obviously very talented and she's very level-headed and to and I think Alexis is too for the most part. But it's it's interesting. I was reading uh Nancy Joe, like I said, 10 years. Uh, on from the article and she describes that she thinks it's interesting that Nyers self-spun narrative even though she confessed everything seems to me very emblematic of the times we live in once again she is representative of a trend with the bling ring it was obsession with celebrity and luxury brands and now it's the popular refusal to assume responsibility for anything and just go on the attack it's very Trump what Hmm. what do you think of that Hmm. Would you agree with Nancy, Joe, Nancy, Joe? I think that she is perhaps pushing home a specific point that I did not um, totally pick up on while researching this. And I think two years ago, that point might have been more top of the brain. Sure, totally. Um, What I found about Alexis in her later years that continues from her teen years is that she very much sees herself as a protagonist. And yeah, yeah, that is the perfect explanation. Yeah. So what's interesting is that she get when she's a teenager, she gets so upset at Nancy Jo Sales for making this story about her involvement in the bling ring. Right. And what she doesn't understand is that at the time is that is her story. That's what makes her interesting. There's not much else at that time that made her a unique 
teenager that Nancy yeah. Jo Sales would have written an article about. And what she has continued to say into adulthood is that Nancy Jo put the spotlight on her. But she didn't do that in that story. Alexis made herself available for photographs. And so she yep. is the one who is photographed and who's kind of front and center in the actual print spread. But as far as the editorial goes, it's very obvious that she's not the only one involved or even the main one involved right. in this story. But she reads the story and she only sees herself. That is, that is a great point. That's a great point. You're right. And that's that has persisted into adulthood. And yep. I think that's like, I mean, it, it is interesting to watch this one person move throughout history. So then two years ago, Nancy Jo Sales is saying that that Alexis, you know, continues this this narrative of, of kind of what's popular in culture right now, which she mm -hmm. says is to deflect blame, which is very Trump-like two years ago. But now I'm right. looking at her and I'm seeing this narrative of sort of centering oneself and always seeing some yourself as the main character, the which main is character, a yeah. meme right now. <laughs> you know, so per perhaps yeah. if you look closely enough at anyone, you can always see these sorts of things. But Totally. What I, what is so interesting about Alexis now and about her mom is that at the time when they, when they were filming Pretty Wild, they, they're very <laughs> spiritual people. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. They had yes, they a, a house full of Buddha statues that they had gotten from a Thai restaurant Thai that restaurant. closed. That's iconic. Yeah. My favorite lower tier line from Pretty Wild, of course, mm -hmm. Nancy Joe Sales or Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers calling, is the most popular one. But the other one, which it's hard to find a clip of because I tried, is her, is Alexis, once she is being sentenced to six months in prison, saying, if Buddha sat under a tree for 40 I, days, then I can do this. Yes, I actually had that. I typed that up to remind myself to say that during this. Yes, if Buddha sat under a tree for 40 days, I can do this. It's her incredible. ability at the time, and I have not listened to her podcast now, but her ability to center herself in millennia old religion and spirituality is, is incredible. I mean, that, that kind of... Uh, self-worth, I guess, or self-value will get you far in, in the Nancy Joe. I, I had, I had to screenshot this part from the Nancy Joe sales yes. article. She, because it's also a huge and exact pull quote from, uh, that, that Emma. I uh -oh. think I know exactly. I what get my Emma's confused. Emma Watson. Watson. Yep. Who plays Alexis, uh, the version of Alexis. She has a different name in the bling ring and she right. is trying out a brand new American accent. Lots of different accents are going on in that movie. Yeah. And to, and to be fair, Alexis has a very valley voice, which is one of <laughs> the easier does. American accents to do. So I'm not <laughs> certainly I would never hate on Emma Watson. But imagine this in Alexis Snyder's voice or <laughs> Emma Watson doing Alexis Snyder's voice. I'm a firm believer in karma. And I think this situation was attracted into my life because it was supposed to be a huge learning lesson for me to grow and expand as a spiritual human being. I see myself being like an Angelina Jolie, but even stronger, oh. pushing even harder for the universe and for peace and for the health of our planet. There's even a little bit more that I wanted to <laughs> No, so yes, good. please continue. So good. It's amazing. 
God didn't give me these talents and looks to just sit around being a model or being famous. I want to lead a huge charity organization. I want to lead a country for all I know. (laughs) And she expected Nancy Jo Sales not to publish that in Vanity Fair. It's just, uh, what? And that's actually the stuff that she was proud of saying, I think, because she really wished that Nancy Jo had focused more on her spirituality and and all the great things she wanted to do. And it's right there in black and white. It's amazing. At yes. the prime of print media. And it did not get received the way that she thought it would. Not the way she thought. And I think also going back to Pretty Wild, there's within the first like five minutes of the show, we have the mom, Andrea, talking about how she homeschools the girls and how she has their whole curriculum based off the secret, which is the, the book that's like, if you put it out into the universe, you're going to get it. And that is incredible. They make their, and this is part of the movie too. And again, it's picked up on because it is so out there that you wouldn't think that actual people would do this, but they actually do. Like this is the perfect detail for a Vanity Fair piece or for a reality show. And they make these uh, vision boards and they're talking about, okay, we want Angelina Jolie on this vision board. This family loves Angelina Jolie. And they're like, what do you admire about Angelina Jolie? And they talk about, I think Tess says her hot husband. And I think Alexa says, I want her hot body. Um, And it's just, and again, it's used in the movie. It's a great quote. (laughs) It's just, it's so funny to me that these people don't see how absurd these quotes are and what they say and what they essentially believe. Right. And Angelina Jolie is, is a wonderful person who's done a lot of good, but the way that she is held at a pinnacle in their family is, is, is quite entertaining. And I, I think all, all of the gods listed in this article that the bling ring did not go on long enough to rob Angelina Jolie. Oh my God. Cause that, that I'm just now putting together that that seems like where we were headed. I think you're right. I think if she would have been there. Lindsay Lohan said, not on my watch. Not on my watch. A true queen. I know. It's amazing. And I, you know, again, it's, I find this story so interesting. Again, with their inventive, honestly, inventive use of the internet, which was, I mean, not new by any means, but we were getting, you know, blogs. This was kind of the advent of that. And we had uh, Google Maps. Right. And they also used a website called CelebrityAddressAerial.com, which I don't know if it still uh, works, but that's kind of how they discovered where all the celebrity homes were. And they used right. internet research to find out like, you know, Orlando Bloom was going to be shooting a movie in New York. So he wasn't going to be home. And honestly, that's that's pretty savvy to me. I think that's that's a pretty good use if you want to yeah. go rob someone. Yeah. If like Emma Watson says in the movie, you want to rob. Exactly. I think, you know, the internet wasn't new, but the speed mm-hmm. of the internet was. And so sure. the ability to just look up where a celebrity, what you, social media was starting, blogs were starting. Right. And so the ability 
to see that Audrina Patridge was going to an Oscar party that night or that (laughs) Rachel Bilson was in Paris and so her house was vacated. And, you know, these are things you have to think about as a celebrity. It's true. Or that you needed to be able to think about then. Again, I think and hope that security systems have improved at this point. (laughs) Um, Me too. But yeah, that's a, it's, it's when you, when you pull out wide, it's a pretty fascinating look at that very specific period in time and how all these things came together to make this perfect storm of a crime. Um, And that really, you know, turned a lot of things in different directions. Uh, Soon after 2009, a lot of the tides on celebrity and the kind of celebrity we were interested in started changing. And I'm not saying that that's responsible to Alexis Nyers and Nancy Jo Sales, but it's certainly a part of it. This was sort of a, this was sort of a, a climax in like the worst sense of the word. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I can't help but almost relate it back to everything that happened with like the Manson murders, obviously these people didn't murder anyone, but there is that, you know, celebrity relationship there, uh, like on the fringes of celebrity, they did drugs, they partied, they used money to kind of uh, create that lifestyle. And it's just fascinating to me that you can, you can, there, as Nancy Joe has done, there are different elements you can relate it to. And um, that's why this story is so fascinating and so interesting and lives on. And honestly, I don't know about you, but because the movie was so strongly an aesthetic, I would love to see like maybe a series. I don't know, a series where we could kind of get more into the characters themselves. Because like you said, I'm fascinated by Rachel. Well, Amelia, do I have good news for you? Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere is working on a docu-series about it. Okay, I'm into that. Which, you know, I think can... Maybe maybe that's good enough. Maybe the the preeminent (laughs) performance of Alexis Nyers has already exists. But if not, let's be thinking about our casts. Oh, my God. And who we're going to ask. I would like to play Nancy Jo Sales. Okay, I'm I'm down for that. You both have like red hair, lovely red hair. I'd be. Does she have red hair? Yes, she does. Yeah. Huge news. Great. (laughs) Oh my god! Well, this was so much fun. Thank you so much to my co-host Jody Walker. Thank you to our producer Kaya McMullen. Uh, Thanks everyone for listening. We will be back next week with another installment of Pop Culture History Lesson. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.